0: What does Motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to life. Elisha was probably on Mount Carmel, worshiping the Lord. Mount Carmel, it seems, by this time had become a center of maybe worship of Yahweh, and a place where Elisha would often go maybe to get away, like Gilead was the center for Elijah, Mount Carmel in that region began to be the center for Elisha, where people came to him, or where people knew he would be, because Mount Carmel in that area, Elisha liked to get away, maybe get into nature, commune with God, have God talk to him. And I can see one day Elisha is on Mount Carmel in the presence of the Lord. I can imagine God says, hey, Elisha, look out. I want you to turn around, and I want you to look out, and, and, and look who's coming. And Elisha turns, and he looks, and he sees in the distance a, a donkey, and, and somebody on the donkey riding. Maybe he leaves his spot and walks down a little bit so he could see a little further, and... It's the Shunammite woman. It's it's that woman who that wonderful miracle that God had performed on her behalf. But she's riding quite fast, and and her servant is following fast, and so Elijah looks down at Gehazi, his own servant, or maybe he looks across. I don't know how tall Gehazi is. I imagine he's. Probably a young man, a little shorter than Elisha, and he looks down at Gehazi, and Gehazi looks at him, and Elisha says, You know, I think something bad has happened. I don't think she's coming here for good reasons. Gehazi, I I need you to go talk to her. Go find out what happened. So Gehazi leaves and he starts running towards the Shunammite woman who's riding her donkey. And little does Elisha know, the news he's about to hear is going to lead to a miraculous move of God. Now, what's that story? Well, It begins here in 2 Kings chapter 4, and in these next miracles, we see the writer of 2 Kings conveying to the audience that Elisha is a man of God. And the next miracles in 2 Kings that we're going to hear about in this story all occur to women, which is interesting to me too, because Back then, women in many parts of the world were not treated with respect, but here, clearly the writer is emphasizing that these women were blessed of God. Totally different approach to culture and the way they treated women, I think. Well, the story begins with a woman coming to Elisha and crying out and saying, Elisha, my husband's dead please, you've got to help me. You, you know, my husband, you know, it doesn't say he was, but I'm going to call him Frank. You know, Frank. he, he loved Yahweh and he served Yahweh and he loved him as best as he could. And maybe the woman starts to weep and she goes, but we have, we have a lot of debt. We have a lot of credit to pay off. And, and he was one of the sons of the prophets." And he he followed you and listened to your teaching. Because remember, the sons of the prophets were groups of men who came together to learn from Elisha and Elijah earlier on. And then they would go out and live out those prophetic activities. But it was sort of like a college, a Bible college, a a, a a Torah college, you know, and they would come to study and learn more about God's word. Well, this woman, it seems like they were allowed to be married. They weren't like monks who had to live up in a monastery, you know, free of marriage responsibilities. No, this this son of the prophet was clearly married But he died. And the wife comes to Elisha and says, Listen, Frank, you know him. He just died. And we owed a lot of debt. We had a lot of. Credit card debt. And and here come I mean, you know, they didn't have credit cards back then, of course, right? But whatever type of credit they owed, maybe they had to buy grain, maybe they had to buy food, maybe they had to rent something here, maybe they just made bad decisions and they bought the hottest mule out there or donkey and had to borrow to do it. I don't know, but the man died and they owed a lot of money. And to pay that credit, back then, the person you owed, they were allowed to come and take your children as slaves to pay off the debt. So they would come and take your children, and then they would work for them for a period of time until they paid off that debt in terms of working hours. And this was a type of slavery that was common during that time. But this woman, she's a widow, her husband just died in the ministry, which is even worse because she has no way to support herself and she doesn't have some sort of business that she could run. He was in the ministry. And not only that, her only means of support were her children. Back then they didn't have social security. Back then they didn't have any way to pay for widows who lost their husband. So a widow would take care of herself through her children and now her children are being taken from her to pay off a debt that they owed. And so this widow she's like what am I going to do and she goes to the one person she thinks can help her and that's Elisha. So Elisha says, "Well, this is what we're going to do. First tell me what do you have in your house?" The widow says, well, I have nothing, and maybe she tried to sell off stuff to pay off her debt. You know, she sold a chair, she sold a recliner, she sold a couch, she sold a refrigerator, and all she has left is a jar of oil. Now, it seems like this jar would have been like a little anointing jar, it seems to be, maybe from the Hebrew. Not like a big jar full of oil for cooking, but more like, hey, I'm going to anoint your head, I'm going to anoint your wound. It was just a little jar. It would have probably been made out of clay and held just enough to pour on somebody's head or just enough to pour on somebody's wound, just a little dab to anoint them. This is all she had. And she goes to Elisha, this is all I have. This little jar of oil. So Elisha says, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to borrow all the empty containers you can find. Go to all your neighbors and get as many jars and empty containers as you can get. And then he adds, do not just get a few. You got to get a lot. You know, again, back to that trench story, digging a trench in the desert when there's no water, you better dig a trench because the water's coming. Elisha's saying, you know what, I'm going to bless you and God's going to bless you through me, but you got to prepare for that blessing and you better get jar after jar after jar after jar. The more jars she collects, the bigger the blessing, the less jars she collects, God will still bless her, but not as much as if she could have collected more. So she goes out and she knocks on the door, you know, of her friend. And, hey, 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 I need a jar. I need a jar. Please, please. My my husband died and Elisha's doing a miracle. Okay, here's a clay jar. And back then, of course, their jars were made out of clay. And some were tall, deep jars that you would store for years full of maybe flour or oil or something like that so maybe she got two three four five six big deep jars and maybe she went to her local grocery store you know how whenever you move it's hard to find boxes and you go to the grocery store to catch them on that one day where they have all the boxes from the produce that they brought in and oh yeah we got lots of boxes well I wonder if she went down to her grocery store and found jar after jar hey it's your lucky day we had a lot of stuff come in great so she takes this jar and takes that jar maybe she went to her other friends you've got a little bitty jar and just another little bitty jar and you know 10 or 12 or 15 little bitty jars would be as enough as one big huge jar and so she's got all these jars collected all over her house jar man then Elisha says you've got to shut the door and then I want you to take this little jar of oil that little container that you have and I want you to pour the oil that you have into all of these containers so she says all right she collects as many jars as she can. She shuts the door behind her. She takes this little jar. And I can imagine she comes to the first, maybe the biggest jar. She pours. I can imagine the oil comes out of this little jar. and falls in through the hole of the big jar. Hits the bottom of the jar. and And it keeps pouring. And it keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring. And it gets bigger, and it keeps filling up, and all the way to the top, She puts the cork, pluk, pluk, in the top of that jar. Gently shoves it over to the corner. She goes, hey, son, get me the second jar. So her son brings the second jar. All right, so she pours out in this little jar. This little jar keeps pouring and pouring and pouring until and pop she seals that jar, shoves it over. Then she brings another jar. Maybe she tries a smaller one. You know, screws on the lid of this clay jar, pushes it over. Okay, bring me another jar bring me another container, bring me another container, bring me another container. And then finally, 30, 40 containers, maybe 15, depending on her faith. She, the son says, there are no more containers. There aren't any more. No, there aren't any more. She looks at this little jar that she has and she pours it to maybe the Feel it on her skin one last time, and bloop, just one drop. She opens the lid. The jar is empty. The oil had stopped. And so she just looks at all the oil that she has. All the olive oil that she has in jar after jar after jar. And man, I hope her faith was big and she collected a ton of jars. Jar after jar after jar after jar. And she goes and tells Elisha what happened. And Elisha says, all right, I want you to go. And I want you to sell this oil. And then I want you to pay your debt. And then I want you to live on the rest. And that's why I'm saying, man, I hope her faith was big. And I hope she prepared big time for God's blessing. And I hope she had so many jars that she had so much oil left over that she could sell it and live off of that for years to come. Man, what an exciting story of God's blessing. Well, the next story here of God's blessing is when Shah would go to this town called Shunim, which isn't that far from Mount Carmel, and maybe a four to five hour ride by horse, or maybe four to five through walking, depending on how fast you could walk. He would go up to Mount Carmel and he would pass through this town called Shunem. And there, a prominent woman, and some versions say a rich woman, you know, her husband was wealthy and she was wealthy because of that, she would invite Elisha to stop and eat. And then, He did it enough that he got to know the woman and her husband and he would stop to eat in on a regular basis. Maybe she made the best sandwiches in town. I don't know. Maybe she had Chick-fil-A every time. But either way, Elisha stopped there and loved to eat. And so did Gehazi. And so one day this Shunammite woman said to her husband, let's build Elisha a prophet's chamber on top of our roof. Back then, they would have a flat roof, and there they would go relax in the cool of the evening. Well, she said, on our roof up top there, let's build a small upper room where Elisha can come in and not only eat, he can stay. And let's put in, it says there, a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Well, hey, it makes sense to me. So they built him this nice little room. And whenever Elisha came through, he would stop to eat there, and he would then go upstairs, sleep, maybe read a little, enjoy the break from people, and catch a nice breeze, and then maybe stay there a couple days and go on. Well, one day he was so moved by this, the kindness of this woman and her husband, that he says to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite woman. So the Shunammite woman comes, and he says to Gehazi to tell her, it's interesting, Elisha is not talking to the Shunammite woman. Gehazi's servant is. And Gehazi says, look, Elisha wants to bless you in some way. You have gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? And Gehazi said, you know, can Elisha maybe have influence with the king or, or talk to a commander of the army or is there some need that he could have some influence to get some things done for you and, and the shunammite woman said no but i'm pretty content living amongst my people and then he kept asking her what could be done for you what could be done for you what could be done for you and this woman was very pleased very content so that evening gehazi and elisha were sitting around their little table in that upper chamber Elisha asks Gehazi, what should be done for her? What could be done for her? I want to bless her. Gehazi says, you know what, Elisha? How about this? She has no son. And her husband is old. Past childbearing age, you know, her husband is old. She has no son. And back then, if you didn't have children... It was considered pretty sad for you, not only because maybe God hadn't blessed you, which was probably a wrong way of thinking, right? I know some people who haven't been able to have children, and it's not because God hadn't blessed them. But back then, culturally, it was considered such a huge blessing that you might have been cursed, so maybe people looked down on her a little bit for that, which is sad. But also, the main reason is, again, they didn't have Social Security. They didn't have investments 401ks there was nobody there to take care of her especially after her husband dies she has no children to take care of her and her husband for years to come so Elisha says you know what Gehazi I like how you think so he says call her so the woman comes and Elisha says to her I can imagine she's standing at the bottom of the stairs he's standing at the top And it says there that he says to her, listen, this time, next year, you will have a son in your arms. I can imagine the woman looks at Elisha and a big grin comes on her face. And she says, no, no, my Lord, no, no, man of God, do not lie to your servant, please. You better not be lying to me. This would be wonderful. This would be wonderful. And I can imagine she runs off and tells her husband. And Elisha and Gehazi high five each other. This is going to be exciting to see how God provides. Well, a year later, at that same time, she gave birth. To a beautiful bouncing baby boy. This is great. This is wonderful. But fast forward five or six years later, we're not certain. But Elisha sees the same woman riding towards him on a donkey, clearly distressed. And Elisha remembers that the Shunammite woman who he had blessed with a child, of course, God did the miracle, but he's the one who announced it, and that must have been exciting for him to do. But that same Shunammite woman is coming to him distressed, and he sends Gehazi down to talk to her. This must have been a four to five hour ride to get to Mount Carmel from Shunem. Well, Gehazi comes to her and stops the donkey and the servant and says, Hey, what's wrong? What's the problem? Well, the problem was this. The little boy, who was born to them, grew up. We're not certain how old the boy was. He must have been old enough to walk out and to join his father in the field. Well, the boy went out. And to join his father, and they're harvesting grain and they're maybe singing some songs and harvesting grain. When all of a sudden the little boy starts oh, oh gets a sharp pain in his head. Oh, stumbles over, grabs a tree, starts walking for it a little bit. Oh man, another pain. And he cries out there's dead in my head, my head, and he falls down. And the father runs over and picks him up what's wrong with this boy? And he says to his servant, hey, carry him to his mother. And so they bring him to his mother and and the mother looks at the little boy and he's not doing well and he's grabbing his head and he's moaning. "Oh!" And it says she holds him on her lap until noon and then, oh, he died. No more noise, no more breath. The little boy died. So she looks at the little boy. What's wrong? This isn't right. And then the woman thinks of Elisha. And she thinks back to the miracle that Elisha had predicted for this boy to be here. And she thinks, my one hope is in Elisha. And so she goes, I've got to step out in faith here. And so she looks at the stairs that go up to that chamber that she'd built for Elisha, who probably still stops by. He's my one hope. And so she goes to the bottom of the stairs and she goes up to the upper chamber where Elisha stays. And it says she lays the boy on the bed. Then she goes back out to her husband who's still working in the field and she goes, look, I got to take some of our servants and one of the donkeys and I've got to hurry to the man of God and so I can come back again. I just got to do it, so I just wanted to let you know, honey, where I'm going. And the, her husband's like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Why are you going? That's not a little trip, you know. We're talking four to five hours, and you're gonna be back in the same day. And it's getting late, and you know. Hey, and he's probably he says it's it's not a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, it's not a religious holiday in any way. It's why would you want to go see him? Typical husband. He's asking too many questions. He should just trust his wife. And the wife says it's. All right. Don't worry. It's all right. When in fact, she is holding back tears because it is not all right. Well, she hops on her donkey and the servants go with her. And she goes as fast as she can to try to get there. And she goes as fast as she can towards Elisha and Mount Carmel. And then when Gehazi comes and meets her, and he goes, is there something wrong? Is there something wrong with your husband? Is your son all right? And again, she goes, it's all right. And she blows past Gehazi, and she starts to run, hop off the donkey, and she runs towards Elisha, and she drops to her knees and grabs his ankles. And Gehazi comes running up and looks at Elisha and says, this is weird. And he begins to grab the woman to pull her off. And Elisha says, no, leave her alone. Clearly there's something wrong. She's in severe anguish. And, and then he adds, and the Lord has not revealed to me what the problem is. He looks down at the woman who was weeping and grabbing his ankles and She cries out, Didn't I ask you? Didn't I say, Do not lie to me? Did did I ask my Lord for a son? I said, Don't lie to me. You'd give me a son, don't lie to me. And Elisha looks at her. Then he realizes there is something wrong with the little boy. And so he turns and looks at Gehazi and says, Look, take your robes, tuck them into your belt. you got to have room to run because I need you to take off in here. And he throws it to him. Here's my staff. And Gehazi catches it and he goes, I want you to get running towards Shunem as fast as you can. Take my staff. And by the way, if anyone greets you, don't talk to them. Don't speak to them. Just keep on walking, keep on running. And then when you get there, and is probably already running down the road, and he yells out, when you get there, place the staff on the boy's face. So Gehazi whoosh, takes off. And the woman is so upset that she says to Elisha, I will not leave you. As the Lord lives and you yourself lives, I will not leave you. But Elisha pulls her up, maybe he comforts her. We're going to work this out. And he turns her towards home. And they start to walk back towards home. Well, poor little Gehazi. He is running. Again, it took him four to five hours to get there. And now he's got to run this whole distance back. And he walks and he walks and he walks and he walks. Because he can't run the whole thing, right? And he walks and he walks. And here comes Gehazi and the servants. And they're walking and they're walking. <sighs> and finally... He pulls into the house, Gehazi, and he runs upstairs. And there is the boy, dead on the bed. Gehazi looks at the staff in his hand, and he's dripping with sweat, probably, and he looks at the staff in his hand, and, and he places it on the boy's face, and... nothing... Nothing happened. The boy didn't come back to life. Maybe he did it again and again. Nothing happened. The boy didn't come back to life. So he goes downstairs. You can imagine the staff thumping on the stairs behind him as he goes down. Thump, thump, thump. He's upset. Then he shuffles out and walks out there and he meets Elisha. And he says, the boy didn't wake up. He's dead. And Elisha, I can imagine, grabs the staff from Gehazi. And he tells the widow and Gehazi to stay. And he goes back up there to this room. And there he sees the boy on the bed. And he closes the door behind him. And then he begins to pray to Yahweh. He pours out his heart to Yahweh. He paces back and forth and then he stretches himself out on the boy. It says he puts his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hand to hand. In other words, he totally covers him and he just prays and prays and prays and earnestly begs for the, for this boy to live. And he's crying, probably, because he probably got to know this boy himself over the years and fell in love with him himself, and he starts to cry and cry out, and then... Maybe the boy began to make a squeaking noise. All it says is that he felt also that the boy was freezing cold, and now he's getting a little warmer. (gasps) Blood is returning to the fingertips And so he gets up and he paces back and forth, it says, and he prays even harder to Yahweh, please save this boy. And then he bends over to pick him up and he maybe sits him up and the boy opens his eyes. He's alive. He's alive. And it says the boy then, in celebration of being alive, sneezes seven times. Seven times seven times is the number of perfection seven times is a holy number and he sneezes seven times and his eyes were open wow and i can imagine elisha high fives the boy and the boy's like what happened the boy is alive and so elisha says hey gehazi get that shunammite woman and so the woman came and she's probably coming to the base of the stairs And she's probably wondering what's going to happen. And then he yells down the stairs, pick up your son. And she's thinking, what does that mean? Pick up your son. Pick up your son. And she runs up the stairs. And there is her boy alive again. And she picks him up. And she rejoices with him again. My son is alive. My son is alive. And then she falls down to the ground. And she bows, it says. And she picks up her son once more. And leaves. Man, what a story of God's provision. For two different women. What a story of how God blessed these women who so kindly shared what they had with Elisha the prophet, right? And both of them in their time of need didn't run away from God but came back to God and sought out Elisha and they sought the only thing they knew and they sought in faith. What a wonderful story of how God took care of his own And I just think, time and time again, let's be like that widow at the beginning. Let's gather lots of jars. And and let's expect a big blessing from God. When he asks you to do something, don't just do it half-heartedly. Do it to the Lord and expect a great blessing in return. And Maybe you're like the Shunammite woman. As somebody who has lost a child in his life, I can be like this woman, and I can say I earnestly prayed for his life, prayed that he might return, prayed that he might be healed, but the Lord didn't answer in the way he did for this Shunammite woman. Does that make me disappointed with God? Does that make me say, hey, you know what? I I prayed, I honestly prayed. Well, How come you didn't answer my prayer like you did for this woman? It doesn't make me think that. It does make me think that I am thankful that this woman was saved from the heartache of losing a child. And I am thankful that she turned to Elisha and not the gods of Baal or Asherah who were the gods of fertility and resurrection and all that, right? No. She turned to Yahweh. She turned to his man, Elisha. And this story would have been a statement against Baal, right? Who, who made the woman fertile so she could give birth? Yahweh, not Baal. Who provided for that widow? Yahweh, not Baal. Get out of the way, you other gods. You're nothing. Compared to our God. And he is working through Elisha. Man, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for that woman. And I'm thankful for Elisha. And I'm thankful for their faith. But for those of us who have stepped out in faith and things have not turned out the same way. Instead we lost our child. I just want to encourage you. Jesus died on the cross. And then he was buried for three days. And then he rose again and conquered death. And as a follower of Jesus, I no longer have to fear death. And someday I'm going to be in heaven with my Savior, or, or wherever heaven is, down here, wherever it happens to be, I'm going to be with my Lord forever. And you know who else is going to be there? My daughter Gracie and my son Jackson. And I know that the Lord is a God of resurrection. And I know that my God will provide all my needs and he will take care of me and he will love me and he will watch over me and he is working through me and in me to become more like him and he will one day make all things right. And all the evil of this world and all the bad things that happen. God is going to make right. And one of those right things is just like this woman who saw her son resurrected from the dead. And got to be with him here on earth. Someday I'm going to see my children resurrected from the dead. And I am going to be with them in heaven forever. And I can rejoice Just like this Shunammite woman. Now I've got to live by faith and realize that someday I've got some joyous things waiting for me in heaven. And their names are Gracie and Jackson, and I'm excited to see them resurrected and whole again. And I can rejoice and live by faith. And a wonderful God named Yahweh, and His Son Jesus, who provides all my needs. Someday I'll be like the Shunammite woman, rejoicing in the provisions of my wonderful Savior and Lord. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.